Mm-hmm. Every month, every quarter, we sit down, we say, what's still working? What's not working? What can I let go of? What's not relevant anymore? What came up that I need to address? And so it's a very evolving process. This is meant to support you, not to control you, not to stress you out, but to be that constant guidepost so that you can feel in control in a healthy way, in a good way. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today is host of the Thriving in Motherhood podcast, Jessica Jackson. After years of struggle, Jessica realized there are simple, practical things she can do to stop living in overwhelm and find meaning and joy in everyday life. She loves empowering other mothers to create lives they are excited to wake up to each day. Today, our conversation will focus on creating a vision for the new year. I have to tell you, this episode was personally very encouraging to me, and the moment we recorded it, I just wished I could have released it right then and there. So I've been waiting to release this episode for the last month, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we get into the conversation, I quickly want to tell you my minimalist moment of the week. About a week ago, I shared a post on Instagram about putting presence before presence, tangible presence. So I wanted to expand a little bit more on that thought and what it looks like for me. I have been so busy this season. You've heard me talk about it and lament to the various guests that I've had on here. Uh, Just not really taking my own advice when it has come to this past season I'm coming out of, this fall season. So what is putting my presence before presence look like? It definitely means being slower, being quieter, watching my children participate in the Christmas holiday activities. What does it look like for my children to experience my presence with them this season? And it is lovely to give and receive gifts at this time of year. It's very special. However, when that becomes our focus and it becomes so centered around what we have to get our children this one day of year, that pressure takes away from the presence that you should be experiencing and that you can experience. So something simple that I've done is when we're enjoying a moment with one another, um, I love to take photos. I don't post the photos right then and there. I may not even post the photos for several days. It helps me to stay present in the moment and detach myself from social media or sharing the moment with everyone else. I can do that later. Just because it's Instagram doesn't mean it has to be instant. That's something very silly. There are more tangible ways. I included them in that post. But that is just something that helps me connect more in the moment to be more present in the moment. Again, it doesn't mean you have to put your camera down. But just being more present in the moment as opposed to allowing everyone else to be voyeuristically (laughs) present to your moments. So that's been helpful for me. I'd love to know how you're being more present in these last weeks leading up to the first of the year. And my hope for you is that you do experience slow presence this holiday season. All right. I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Jessica Jackson. Like I said, this episode was personally very helpful to me and I know it will be for you too. So let's get into it. Hi, Jessica. It's good to connect with you again. 
You too, Diane. It's always good to talk. I know. So I was a part of the Soaring Mothers Summit, and that went on early fall. And that was something that you put on to help moms soar, if you will. But today, we are going to be talking about why every mom needs a vision for the year. So that's our topic that we have today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll get more into the topic at hand. Absolutely. So yeah, my name is Jessica Jackson. I'm the host of the Thriving in Motherhood podcast. And I've got four kids. I homeschool and I love my life now. We homeschool, we garden, we're full days, but that is not how motherhood started for me. I became a mom in my early 20s and I didn't know who I was and let alone how to take care of a child. At the time, my husband was grad school and we're moving all around the country. And so we didn't have family support or people that we knew. So for me, I felt like motherhood could be joyful. It could be fulfilling. It could be beautiful and that God would be part of it for me, my faith. And and yet there's this gap of every day was really, really hard. So I kind of just went on this quest to close that gap for myself and create a life that I would be excited to wake up to each day. And your brand Thriving in Motherhood, what prompted you to start that? Was it through this journey, I'm assuming? Yeah. So I had just had my third baby and it was 2017. And this was the start of my like bottom of the barrel. And the name of that was my hope. That was the quest that I was on. And I felt like I needed a way, wanted a way to talk to other moms and pick their brains because I could see other people around me doing fine, doing great. And so I needed a way and wanted a way to kind of uncover the secrets to loving motherhood. Yeah, I'm finding this out in marriage. Just we got married in our early 20s and figuring out who you are and like alongside of someone else. And then I had kids in my mid 20s. Yeah, there's a lot of growth there from 20 to 30. So I can't imagine even having young kids in my young 20s. Just there's a lot to process and there's a lot of change. And I think that at 20, I thought I knew so much more. And looking back, I'm like, I wonder what I'll know at 40. I didn't know at 30. So I'm really glad that you got there and that you have this piece now about your lifestyle. And I think that so many of us are looking for that, but don't know how to get there. So that's what you do with how you encourage moms, right? Yeah. So as I'm able to look back and say like, okay, not only did we have that missing piece of who am I, I also had four incredibly hard pregnancies. I was very, very sick. I could not walk. I've had Mm -hmm. multiple surgeries. We've moved across the country many times since in the last 10 years, 12 years. And so not only did I have that path that we all go through to some degree in trying to find ourselves in motherhood, but we also had these survival circumstances over and over again. And so what's happened is, is I've been able to kind of look back and see both the patterns that it takes to get out of these survival circumstances and get back to a good place. And then also, what is that path to go from not knowing who you are, not knowing what you like? to waking up every day excited to do things that bring you joy and are fulfilling. How did you get there? Because that's not just an overnight change. No, oh, it was so hard earned and took a lot of time and little pieces of puzzle. So, so we talk about circumstances. This is something that is really important because we have to separate the two types of surviving. So the first kind of circumstances, those are typically not in your control. That can be a hard marriage situation. That can be your health. That can be a move. That can be a trip. It can be a shorter term scenario. And then we have what causes surviving, where you feel like you're surviving even when things are fine. So those three things are not having a clear idea of who you are and what you want to do. That's your vision. If you don't know that, that's going to make you feel like you're surviving. If you don't have the structures in place to make those necessary and essential things happen, you're going to feel like you're surviving. This is where you shine, right? With helping moms with minimalism because you have to have less stuff to manage to get systems to in place mm-hmm. to like do well. So that's essential. And then the last pillar is soul. Are you taking care of your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health? 
any of those things are off, you're going to feel like you're surviving. Learning to build those into your life is essential. The other part of it then is your circumstances, which are outside of your control. But when we understand there's five phases there, and when we understand that path, then you can calm down and not be afraid of survival mode. Because I spent those first chunk of years going in loops, totally afraid every single time things got hard. And now it's like, it's okay, let me just put my head down. This is the phase I'm in. It's fine. So the first phase is that surviving phase. That's when things are really hard. The second phase is re-entry. It's a mask. You still thinking in survival mode, but this is like where you now have to dig yourself out of that pit that happened, whether it means like it's all the suitcases in the door from your trip or the mountains of laundry that you didn't do or the meals you haven't been cooking, you don't have food in the house. It takes a lot of work to get out of that. It's called re-entry because after my second child was born, I contracted this super bug called C. diff in the hospital. And I had to go back two weeks after he was born. We had a two-year-old and a two-week-old and I was fighting for my life. And after a few weeks, nobody lived close to us. So, you know, my mom came again because it was very serious to help take care of my two-year-old and my husband with me and the baby in the hospital. And when everybody left, you know, there's like a period of time where you're like, okay, you're home from the hospital. People aren't bringing meals anymore. Everybody leaves. And I felt like a rocket ship re-entering the atmosphere and I wasn't sure if it was going to blow up or not. Mm -hmm. So that's what re-entry feels like. And hopefully you're not always recovering from a serious illness that, you know, is life-threatening, but it can feel like that. It's intense and it's overwhelming. But the third phase is normalizing. And this is where you get those kind of basic habits and routines back into place and things start to flow smoothly. Now, for a lot of moms, we get stuck here and we are like, okay, well, the dishes are washed and the, the house looks clean and like you're bored. The stuff is done and you're like, that's all there is. And this is not very great. What did I sign up for this for? So we need to move into the fourth phase, which is exploring. That's where you start trying things out. I think a lot of times as moms are like, I have to make money. If I do this thing, it has to make money. And there's a place for that. I'm not saying that's not important, but we also as moms need to give ourselves permission to try tons of stuff, especially those of us that got married in our 20s, but even after, right? It's a constant evolving process of discovering who you are, what you like and bringing that more into your days. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth phase is that thriving phase, which is actually where you're building your three pillars. But that is kind of that overall process in a nutshell that I have been up and down a gazillion times in the last 10 years. All right, I'm going to close the laptop and I'm going to just go start doing this right now because that speaks to where I'm finding myself right now. And I think that I just took on a lot this fall. I've talked about it for those who have been listening this fall. I've been talking about how I've just said yes to too much. And that seems out of character for me because I've always been very clear about boundaries or knowing what I want or staying in line with my values. But I'm also more of a people pleaser than I have thought I ever was. And so saying yes to every opportunity with my photography business and the podcast and with friendship and fill in the blank. It has left me so mentally drained to where I feel like sometimes now I have anxiety or that I feel like I can't manage or I feel like I'm not even snipping, like raging at my kids. And I have allowed my mental health to take a back seat. And I guess if I've ever been critical or judgmental, which I'll admit to being in the past about people that said like, oh, I just can't manage. I'm like, then you, you just don't have it together. Get it together. I used to just be very like, pull up your bootstraps, get it together. And now I'm like, no, you so easily can fall into this. And we have bad habits that we fall into. So anyways, all that to say, I think this is excellent. And I think this is meeting me right where I'm at. So I'm sure that this is speaking to listeners of all different types of issues going on in their lives right now. So what do you mean by having a vision for the year? What does that look like for you? What did that look like for you when you were starting to get really clear with your own life? 
Yeah. Okay. So this vision piece now is the first step. So that's kind of like the whole framework, the backstory, but this is the first step. And this is going to meet you right where you're at because the purpose of this vision, why does everyone mom need a vision? Like you said, you said yes to everything, right? And where did that take you? That knocked your pillars down. Like that sole pillar is in shambles, right? And that's not where we want to be. And chances are maybe some of your structure pillars fell too, because when we start overextend ourselves, it's really hard to do those basic habits, even like cleaning the counters at night or washing the dishes that starts to feel hard. And so they can all kind of start crumbling. So with the vision, it's helping you decide who you want to be and what you want to do and what kind of family culture you want to create for the next year. And for some people, you are going to be, I have no clue. And so you're going to be exploring your way to your vision. You're just going to try. But it's really important because let's say your laundry system is in shambles, for example. What we want to do with that vision is say, I want to get my laundry system in place, or I want to have game nights and stay at home with my family more. The point of that is that you're owning what you want to do so you're not a victim. You need to choose it. You need to own it. And it's why partly that vision is so essential because we don't want victim moms. We want moms that are owning their lives and are excited about it because they chose it. The other thing too is you need a way, you need that measuring stick to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. So for example, when I was in high school, we moved to Iowa and all of our friends, a lot of our friends lived in cornfields. So the instructions to get there are like, you know, drive out to the cornfield and now you're going to start following, you know, left at this sign, right at the silo, go through this dirt road, drive down where the third from on the left. So it was like very visual directions. And when I was a teenager, we didn't have Google Maps and like smartphones to help. So my mom would get a sticky note and write the instructions on the sticky note, pop it on the steering wheel and say, please go pick your brother up. So Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I drove out to the cornfield one day, got my brother, but on our way back, we missed a landmark. And all of a sudden we were driving around lost in this cornfield and there is no obvious way out. So I call my mom and we're like, we are so lost. And she goes, great, where's the sun? I was like, what? She goes, where's the sun? And we look out the car like, okay, it's on this side of the car. And she goes, okay, keep it on this side of the car and get home. Just keep driving until you get out. And my mom navigated us out of the cornfield using the sun. Now Mm -hmm. she could not say, turn left, turn right, stop here. But what she could do is keep us going in the right direction. And so your vision, it's not about getting things like so detailed. It's about giving yourself something that will get you where you want to go and help you make those decisions every day. So we use it as a decision-making tool. So we create something big for the year, but then we trickle it down into our quarters, our weeks, our months, and our days so that we get to decide what's important to us and work every week on making that vision a reality. When we're setting up our vision for the year, this is obviously going to be very personal because it's our life. It's our family that we're taking control of. We're taking control back, maybe if we feel like we've lost it. But would you suggest looking at other people's lives and gathering ideas there? Or would you stay in your own lane? What's your thought there? So I think there's two things. When I first became a mom, I had to go explore. I needed to go collect it. This is why exploring is so essential, right? So I'm like observing this family at the playground. Oh, that's really interesting. Or this family at church. Hey, that's really cool. Or hey, I heard this tradition. Or, I read this in the book. I heard this in the podcast. Yeah, go big, explore. And then we bring it all in. So yes, go and explore, but then bring it in. I've got in the Thriving Motherhood Planner, this whole section that's just designed to creating your vision. I spend five days doing it. I have a create your vision challenge. But the point here is that it is a process. It's something that unfold. You can't do it wrong. My vision has looked totally different every single year. Sometimes it's like a list of projects I want to knock out. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a word with a theme that seeps into every area of my life. This is incredibly creative, even for me every year, based on where I'm at and what I need, what my family needs. 
And so there's not a wrong way to do it. The wrong thing is to not start doing it because every year you create this vision, it gets more and more clear. Like for me, when I started, you step into a dark tunnel, there is no light. You have no clue. As I've done this for six or seven years now, I can see the light Mm -hmm. and it's awesome and exciting, but you just have to start walking that path. Okay. So again, going back to you and your circumstances, when you got your clear vision or you started exploring what's next, did you say? The first step of creating that vision gives you that direction. The next step is bringing that now into your life. Because it's one thing, like what we don't want to do is be like the goal setters who like create the goal in January, shove it in the drawer. And at the end of the year, you're like, hey, that was really interesting. How cool a year ago, I did half the stuff, maybe if I'm lucky or none of it, you know, kind of depending on how you go. So what I did, because when I came out of that C. diff state and I was in that reentry mode, I had kind of realized that I had drifted through the last two years of my life, of my motherhood. And I had been observing, right? I had been witnessing. I had been reading a ton of books, learning from homeschooling moms and all sorts of moms. And I felt like what I needed was a way to put things down in an organized place, but then not forget about it and act on it regularly. That is why I created the planner. And so what I like to do, and you can do this with whatever you're doing that's working for you, you can take this principle. But after you create your vision, then you're going to sit down and say, okay, what do I want to do for the next 90 days? Your brain actually can't do more than that. So what few projects do you want to work on for the next 90 days? What few habits do you want to develop in the next 90 days? What few things do you want to do with your family for the next 90 days? And then you're going to sit down and look at your January and you're Mm -hmm. say, okay, what few projects or one project that I work on in January, what few habits from that list, the smaller list, can I do in the next 30 days? And every week you're going to say, what are the three things that I'm going to do this week from my vision that are going to move me closer Mm -hmm. to creating this vision reality? And you do those little things every week or many weeks, and it's not going to take long for those little baby steps to add up and to get you where you want to go. You reevaluate though every 90 days. Who knows if you're going to have a baby this year? Who knows if you're going to move this year? Who knows how many times the kids are going to be sick this year? So it's Mm -hmm. not like you create this vision and it's in stone and it's giving you pressure. Mm-hmm. Every month, every quarter, we sit down, we say, what's still working? What's not working? What can I let go of? What's not relevant anymore? What came up that I need to address? And so it's a very evolving process. This is meant to support you, not to control you, not to stress you out, but to be that constant guidepost so that you can feel in control in a healthy way, in a good way. I like the illustration of your mom guiding you with the sun. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect getting you out there, but you have this idea of what it is that you want. I think the implementation is just the hardest for people because like you said, sometimes our circumstances don't lean to us having the most success. I'm thinking a sick child or a bad marriage or a sick parent or looking for a new job. Some of these things seem really hard to dig yourself out of, I guess. Coming home from the hospital, I know that feeling of everyone leaving. It's just kind of nice. I had relatively easy postpartum experiences, but it is sad that people aren't coming to see you or bringing you food. That's very convenient for sure. So coming back from a dire health circumstance, I mean, I would put this in that category. How do you have hope, I guess? How do you maintain hope or the motivation or the drive to get you there? Like you said, reassessing, having the goal in mind, having that vision in mind. But what did that look like for you? Yeah. So this is where that soul pillar comes in, right? Because you can have a vision of what you want to do. You can be even taking progress, you know, steps towards that area you can't. But for me, when you're in that hard circumstance, so when I've been there, I've recovered from many surgeries. We've had the traumatic experiences. We've moved. I've had, right after my third died, my grandma died. She was one of my dearest, closest friends. That just brought on a whole hard depression. So I understand 
understand this and I have friends with this too. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is that hope for me, it comes from my faith. Mm -hmm. But the way that I bring that practically into my life is I actually created this journal, the Thriving in Motherhood journal for me to make my brain focus on the things that would be helpful. So just four questions that I like to ask at the end of the day, if you're in this hard space and if you're feeling like, okay, this vision is too much. I can't even think about that right now. That's okay. The four questions I like to ask at the end of every day what were my big wins today? So often we go to the end of the day and think about all the things I didn't do, like especially when you're tired or if you're in pain or if you're hurting, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, when you're in pain, you look at all like so easy to just be discouraged to think I can't do this again tomorrow Mm -hmm. and think about everything that went wrong and everything you did wrong. Instead, we want to say, what were your big wins today? And that can be as simple as I smiled at my child when they walked into the room or I didn't yell at them when I could have little things like that. The second thing is what am I grateful for today? Because that helps to spell fear and it helps us recognize all of the people that are actually a part of our life. If God's a part of your life, how he's a part of your life. The third question I ask is how is God a part of my life today? And if everyone has their own spiritual practices, so we insert Mm -hmm. that. What were my magic moments today? So that is typically with my children, because oftentimes you're just looking at all the bad things you did, particularly Mm -hmm. when you're in these hard places. Coming from a hard circumstance to probably your mental health is not in a great place or emotional health is not a great place, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to choose to see the good that happened that day instead of the bad. One bonus one is what were thoughts that I had today that were not helping and how can Mm -hmm. I have a more helpful thought tomorrow? And that for me is a very prayerful experience because I feel like only God really knows what's happening inside my brain and Mm -hmm. understands how I'm seeing the world and how I can see it maybe just a little bit better. So I seek for paradigm shifts from seven habits of highly effective people. You know, we talked about two circumstances, survival, and then feel like you're surviving because of the three pillars. Mm-hmm. You're truly mm-hmm. in survival mode. That is where I focus my time and energy is on those little daily practices or even doing mm-hmm. it once a week completely. When I share this with moms or when they use the journal, day one completely changes how they experience motherhood. Like it takes one day of doing these things to make a difference. I really have been reading a lot about Buddhism, because I think there's a lot of overlap in a lot of religions and Buddhist principles talk about you cannot change your future. You can change your habits and surely your habits will change your future. And so I think whatever we want to draw inspiration from, all of this is tied up. Our mindset and our habits, those are key to creating the game. We well, and I just, I'm like you, I love reading from Judaism mm-hmm. and Islam and all faith mm-hmm. practices have these same principles, like they are yeah. everywhere. So whatever, even like just the more spirituality universe, even then they all have these same fundamental practices. Again, I'm trying to think of people that are just skeptical, I guess. I think that there is encouragement here, so much encouragement because again, just reassess and keep trying and do the things that are in your control. What do you have in your control? And then seek help from people. If things are outside your control and you do need help, don't be afraid to ask for help as well. Well, and more than that, here's the thing. I find so many moms don't ask for help because they don't know what they want, even from their spouses. For me, why does having that vision matter so much? Or why does knowing what matters this week with a big three matter so much? Because then when I sit down and talk with my husband, I can say, hey, this is really important to me. How can we make this work? And it's the same too. Like if you know, even if you're in a survival season, but you understand what's important to you, then you know what to ask when someone says, Hey, if you want some help, let me know. If you don't know what you want, you're not going to know what to ask for help for. And so I think, especially when you're in a hard season, this can be so impactful. And if you're not in a hard season yet, chances are in the next 365 days, you will be because that's just how life goes. So this helps kind of future proof yourself to be prepared for when something hard happens. And 
know what matters to you so that you know what to ask for help for. I think it's such a testament and a testimony to you prioritizing this vision to the way that you're living right now, because that is obviously like it's going to look different for all of us. But I would say like you have the ideal of what I want right now is to just have like a well-oiled machine going where we're homeschooling. That's going successfully. My business is going successful. And again, maybe I'm romanticizing it. I know that there are still hard days, but I think that's like the end goal. We just want to have successful families where we're producing good humans out of our homes. And if we have an interest. We want to be having success in that in whatever way that could just look like, hey, I completed the scarf that I crocheted and that's awesome. This is helping me. I really am grateful for your word. Do you have anything else that you wanted to share or did we hit it all? Any final thoughts would be like, I'm still in this with you. I do have this pattern. I do have this ideal. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. It stops me from panicking when things aren't going well because mm-hmm. you can just identify this is why it's hard, right? And so when I do hit a hard patch or when if you're in a hard patch, even just being able to say like, Oh, it doesn't have to be scary. This is why it's hard. And as time continues to go on and things continue to unfold, I can build skills in these areas and it's going to be okay. I'm curious, what does your routine look like? You wake up on Monday morning. What time are you waking up? So I actually am in a hard season right now. I have serious chronic pain. So some days I'm up at 3.30 and I take advantage of it and I hit the ground running because I'm awake and I can't sleep. And sometimes I happen to fall back asleep after this pain at night and I'm up at seven o'clock with my kids. So I'm in one of those not ideal seasons right now. But because I have clarity, here's the thing. When you have clarity, when you have a small pocket of time, you take advantage of it and you keep moving things forward. And so the testament is, is that life doesn't have to be going well. And these principles still work because I know exactly what to do anytime 10 minutes pops up, an hour pops up, 45 minutes pops up when it comes to my business, when it comes to my family, when it comes to homeschooling. And mm-hmm. I know how to take advantage. Like if I'm in bed, great. I've got a list of books to read that are going to educate me to help me know what matters and to put my energy toward those things. I really love that you use the word thriving in motherhood because that's really what this is. I'm thinking about my sister and she's like, oh, that's too much work. I'm not writing anything down. But I'm like, no, if you really want to thrive, I think we have to do some of these things. We have to get clear with our ourselves. We have to write it down because I think it helps us achieve it. I'm a big believer in writing things down to achieve those goals. And just there's something to be said about putting something down on paper. I feel like when so much time goes by, it's like monkeys in my brain. Like even at the end of the year, I'm like, I'm craving doing that vision process of like going through this process of like getting everything out of my head, putting Mm -hmm. it all out there, getting it back organized. It's just the same thing you do with your house, right? When you do Mm -hmm. declutter, like this practice is kind of like decluttering my head and it has to happen on a big scale every year and it has to happen every quarter and it has to be a little bit every month just Mm -hmm. to like keep my head like you teach people how to keep their houses. Absolutely. And I definitely think that my encouragement through this to listeners just listening to you speak and how you this design that you're giving us is to ask your husband, as you said, for help to say, husband, I want to get a clear vision. I need an afternoon. I need one night away and take your journal. Get really specific, like you said, with what you want to achieve this year for you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your friends, you and your business, you and your hobbies, you and your hobbies. I mean, Mm -hmm. I need more hobbies again. I feel like I have not been paying attention to my love of reading, to playing guitar, any of those things. So I think that if we ask for help, hey, I need a weekend. Hey, I need an afternoon. Hey, friend, I will watch your kids and we can both do this. And I'll watch your kids. You watch mine. I'm going to go away for two hours. I mean, get whatever time you can to get really clear and 
yeah, I guess that would be my final word of encouragement is to actually make it happen and not just listen to this and allow it to be a thought in your brain. Implement it, call someone, text someone today. Oh, absolutely. Well, and if you want, I mean, the resource that I have, because I haven't been able to get away. So sometimes I wake up super early or stay up late to do it. The other thing too, is I've got it so you can listen to it. So you can be Mm -hmm. thinking about it. So when you do have a moment to sit down, you already have all the thoughts and then you can just put it on paper. So sometimes I think it helps to be able to have the option to just like let things mull. I get my best vision ideas when I'm taking the shower and it happens over a series of days. I just think they get scrappy with it. And if you can't get away, if that really isn't an option for you, even saying I'm going to set my alarm clock 15 minutes earlier until I can build up to an hour and then say, hey, on Monday through Thursday, I'm going to take that four hours and focus on that before my kids get up. So I think be strategic about it and think outside the box, I guess. But yeah, Jessica, this was so awesome. So where can listeners find you if they want to connect more with you online? Yeah, thrivingamotherhoodpodcast.com or on Instagram at thrivingamotherhood.podcast. You'll find everything from there. Awesome. As we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource that you want to share with the listeners? Okay, I just finished reading this book. I have a huge stack called The Collapse of Parenting. So if you're someone that is interested in the idea of an authoritative parenting style versus permissive or authoritarian, this book like knocked my socks off was so good. And I am telling everybody I can about it because it was very helpful. Oh, I may have to get that book on tape and listen to that one. Cool. That's a good idea. Awesome. Well, my last question for you before you go is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Currently, it's how to get my upstairs bedrooms decluttered. Oh, well, I could help you with that. I know you can. I have your book sitting on my book stack. (laughs) That's awesome. I was just talking to someone about this before I got on the call with you. I just say, because our bedroom literally has a bed and a desk in it that is completely empty. My bedroom is just not the ideal. Actually, it kind of is for me. But I would say, look at each of the spaces in your room, pull everything out, assess, take inventory, put back what you need, and don't do the whole room necessarily at once. I would just take it space by space. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Well, this was wonderful. As I said, I hope this really boosts encouragement with listeners before we go into 2023. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.